Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our set of draft countdowns today. Today, we're going to look at the edge players in this year's draft. An exciting group, lots of different uh, variation in, in play style, as there often is at the edge position. Here to talk about with me is Voss Laricos. Voss, how are you doing? I'm great, Ken. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to draft season heating up with the uncertainty around a lot of the other parts of the offseason. Something t- for us to uh, to sink our teeth into. Always a lot of fun, and and uh, you pretty much have always done, I think, one of these groups per year. It's always a lot of fun uh, talking about one of them with you. Uh, yeah, I know you, you often have gotten the safety group, it seems like, in mm-hmm. various discussions, but but this year to have you on edge is a little different, a little cool. Uh, so let's talk, first of all, about the Ravens' overall need on the edge, because it's a position where they have some youth. It's not like cornerback where they have a, a lot of need for a, uh, a, a, a revamping a youth or even defensive line where they have a couple fourth year players and uh, you know some aging players they need to replace. But but in terms of the uh, uh, of the edge position, they have two young guys at rush linebacker in Owe and Ajabo, uh, both of whom the Ravens are looking forward to big things from. 
Sure. Uh, you know, as John Harbaugh mentioned the re- in the recent press conference, two first-round caliber talents, and it should be an exciting pair. Uh, coupled with Bowser, I think what they're really looking for is some additional rotational talent so they don't have a situation as they had early on the beginning of last season where uh, especially Odafeoe seemed to wear down with too heavy of a workload. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, wore down a little bit with the workload. A lot of people I've heard say, you know, he's, he's you know, 24 or whatever. He shouldn't wear down at all. And and I mean, that's not fair. It, it, <laughs> players often have a lot of trouble adapting to a high snap count when they come into the NFL. But but beyond that, um, Owe also was playing out of position. And he's mm-hmm. playing Sam linebacker, which I think is one of the real big needs. The Ravens, unless they're willing to move Owe again, do not have any obvious Sam linebacker backup for Bowser on the roster. So if you need a guy who can occasionally drop to cover at a minimum, um, it would have to be Elway in an emergency as the roster stands right now. Sure. That's definitely a need. Uh, I, I presume Dalen Hayes will get another look at camp. This he still, I believe, would latched on with the team. Now he's, you know, he's getting a little bit up there. So I'm not sure how much more developmental value you want to prescribe to him. Um, but the way I see it, essentially, you certainly could use a Sam. You certainly could use a elite blue chip pass rusher. You know, I don't think there's such, such thing as too many. Those are that's a corner position like a cornerback or an offensive tackle. Um, and the other kind of skill set that's intriguing to me is a jumbo edge, maybe someone in sort of the Courtney Upshaw mold, yeah. or just a big, thick body guy that can two gap that can set the edge, but can also reduce inside on passing situations, especially without Calais Campbell, that could maybe round out that defensive line group as well. Great, great points both there. The the, the idea of having a two-down run-stopping edge is something the Ravens don't really have right now. They, Bowser is not a bad run defender, actually pretty good, I think. And uh, but, but you can't have him playing every down at Sam, so you need to have somebody eat some run-snap downs on that side. But also, even on the rush side, uh, having additional guys who can stop the run is 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 not a terrible thing. And having a bigger guy who can move inside is more important probably than it's ever been. They they lack a lot of uh, interior players that they really want to have on the field on passing downs. Uh, Matabike, I think is is right. Matt Washington could become that guy. Pierce, I guess, could become that guy. But he's just a fairly specialized uh, need. I guess Travis Jones could become that guy. But I look at them as a team that really only wants to have one defensive lineman on the field on pass rush downs, which means you need three outside linebackers, including some versatility there. We saw David Ajabo, I think, play a few snaps on the inside last year. That could be done again. Uh, but I think having a having a bigger kick inside guy would be would be good to get whether you get it from the vet market or you get it as a rookie here. In a way, I think you're presuming that Ojabo will take Justin Houston's role from last season potentially, unless Houston is brought back, which I'd certainly uh, be a proponent of, but you need um, someone to take on what Jason Pierre-Paul did mm-hmm. as far as really being a strong, firm edge setter with some, you know, hand in the dirt capability. And I, JPP, very legitimate possibility to come back for the Ravens as far as he has not signed anywhere else yet. Uh, no. I'm aware. Yeah. So uh, he'd be one of the guys. In fact, edge is one of the positions where there were a fair number of good veteran options and the Ravens have actually leaned on them wide receiver. They've been notoriously terrible at, at selecting wide receivers who have anything left in the tank. Um, and it's, it's not just a matter of the Ravens are bad at selecting wide receivers. Don't typically have anything left in the tank after 30. 
So you, <laughs> you know, finding them is, is going to be hard for anybody. Yeah, i just make one point. I think the Ravens, the way they've developed the edge position, um, has been better in comparison to the other premium positions, cornerback, wide receiver, uh, offensive tackle. Um, if you look through the years, I mean, Adelius Thomas, um, Zadarius Smith, and Matthew Judon all picked on day three. I don't think you could find three day, p- day three picks they developed into borderline pro bowlers. Pernell McPhee as well. So uh, th- they do have an efficiency there, I think. I, I would agree completely. And, uh, you know, it's it rivals what they've done on the offensive line. And they, they've had some some really bad luck with second round guys on at, at defensive end. You mentioned Courtney Upshaw. Courtney Upshaw, a big disappointment with the Ravens. Drafted 37th sure. overall and had more personal fouls and sacks. In effect, I think it was eight to five in his times with the Ravens. So mm-hmm. it's, that's, that's not the kind of relationship you want, obviously. And then uh, Kamala Correa, an outside linebacker who they cut try to force inside due to their own personnel needs. Um, and uh, uh, Kafusi, Brian and Kafusi, which year. didn't work mm-hmm. out. Yeah, so they've, they've had a few clearly that haven't worked out all in the second round. But it's nice to see Tyus Bowser turn the corner because a lot of people, and I don't mean last year, it's obviously been several years now that Bowser's been good, but a lot of people had already um, thrown Bowser in that category before he really blossomed before free agency. Yeah, by and large, I think, probably all fan bases have a little bit too high expectation about what you're getting out of the rookies, their rookie year, their second year. It's there's a developmental arc for sure. All right. And they do have, I, I think that's one of the nice points is they have a chance to be patient with these guys in the, in the first and second year. But with that in mind, let's jump into our top 10. We'll do it the way we always do. We're, we're calling them down from 10 to one. Normally the guest goes first. I'm going <laughs> to go first because I cheated on this one. I had two guys tied at number 10. And uh, I'll just toss the first number out there. A guy a lot of people like a lot more. And I know this may be a little bit uh, controversial, but I have Miles Murphy of Clemson tied for number 10. Um, there are things I really like about him. He's obviously, a, you know, a, a fits the mold of a pass rusher in a lot of ways at 6'5", 258, long-armed, a little bit under 34 inches, which is, is good, but there's a lot of exceptional arm length in this class. Um, didn't run the 40 uh, do the explosiveness drills where there are really some some questions about who he is. 25 bench reps was pretty good, but not a bender. And mm-hmm. this is this is a problem with a lot of guys in this class, uh, Voss, that, that have modest speed and power to work through contact. And and some of them have, have even good power at the college level that they work through contact so well they really haven't had to learn how to be a bender, turn the corner, you know, be explosive, get that first step to the edge of that tackle, um, and then play at a 45-degree angle, that kind of thing. They, they've never had to learn in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have Murphy all the way up at five. Um, I do have – there are some appealing traits to him. I think he does have some inside versatility. High-motor player. Yes. Um, I think his power does translate. Uh, you know, playing at Clemson, um, you know, he's gone up against some pretty decent caliber players. And I do think he has some three-down versatility. Edge setting may be his best trait. Um, his, his, his main pass rush is really just that bull rush, as you mentioned. It's not super refined. I compare him somewhat to, or at least I've seen comparisons to Sean Merriman, who was a longtime player coming out of former Terrapin, actually. I went to school with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Murphy, I think he could definitely help the team, but I think his skill set – 
is not worth a first round pick. And I think he's probably going to be a first round pick. That, that would, uh, it would be, it, that would definitely fit my definition of overrated for Murphy. If he goes in the first round, I, I'll say the game I watched in total and my usual process is try and watch one game all the way through for each player. Can't always find it. I had a, a tight end from old dominion where I didn't have a, a single game of tape all the way through. And, and you have to rely on, on uh, a lot of other sources, like uh, the highlights in, in part, but I uh, don't know if you, you know, Coots, the tight end from Old Dominion. Uh, no, I haven't gotten into him. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, weird, weird case, but actually on my list. Uh, so uh, watch the Florida State game. And if you watch that game, there's a lot of good plays, run and pass he makes. He's a good containment player against the run. I think that's something to like. I think you have the problem I see with him is because of his play style that a lot of his productivity ends up being cleanup productivity. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens certainly have a defense that that relied on cleanup productivity to get home last year. I think more than anything, they need somebody like Owe or, or Ajabo to break out as a pass rusher. So he's hitting the corner, getting to the quarterback quickly, creating havoc, or they need somebody on the inside maybe to do mm-hmm. it. But the, but the, it, it's it, there is additional critical mass to be reached with a, with more guys on the team who can get there and help and finish. And Murphy is a guy certainly who can do that. I just, I, I think the Ravens is not exactly the stylistic fit for them either. So while, while I think Murphy's a little overrated because he's not a get to the quarterback in three second guy in the same way that some of the other guys are in this class. I, I think also he doesn't exactly fit the Ravens stylistic needs at this moment in time. No, it makes perfect sense to me. I think in the first round, you want a player that's making plays autonomous, not uh, a complimentary player that's setting other people up. At least that's what I would. Should I jump into my 10th yes, here? Yes, you're number 10 guy. Okay. Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri, 6'4", uh, 268, 9.53 RAS, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost 34-inch arms. He's a uh, just a solid, well-rounded player, a thick-framed guy. Uh, definitely can play some five tech. Played a good bit of five tech at college, actually. A power rusher, thick frame, um, and I think really what he would presumably bring it to the Ravens, if you can maybe land him in the third round, he'd be a nice player as an underman on twists. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, and I loved him too. He did not quite make my list. He's one of four guys that I had in my honorable mention category. I think he's a guy who the lack of polish uh, makes him a really nice upside guy with Chuck Smith. And by the way, there's a lot of guys in this draft who can benefit from Chuck Smith. It really hopefully is going to show in terms of the positional coaching value the Ravens have acquired there. Um, but but he also is a pure rush linebacker. Um, I liked him as a guy who could take eat up run snaps on the rush side. He might be able to do that on the Sam side as well if you're not depending too heavily on that guy to drop. Um, but anyway, I, I did like him. He's just I, slightly outside of my top 10 for that. It, it, probably number 12 for me of my group. Uh, ben and explosiveness are both there. Uh, definitely lacks the complete toolkit. And, you know, it, I, it, people will will hear that me say that and say that's a bad thing. It's really not. It, it's, a, it's a source of potential growth. If he's already producing. Yes. And he had eight and a half sacks in the SEC, damn it. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't really have that great spin move or or the the great counter or the euro step or any of those things that he might have at, at this point. But he he's a uh, he's a guy who uh, probably does it. I don't think he's a Sam. I think he's a pure rush guy. Yeah. So uh, you know, th- those things combine to to have me just drop him a little bit lower. I think that's a great point, though, as far as a player with developmental upside. There's a lot of players in this class, especially mm-hmm. at this position, that are unrefined. 
but they have, you know, high testing athleticism. They come from good pedigree. Most of them are, you know, within developmental age. So that's where you can really mine, you know, maximize your return as opposed to taking somebody that's already sort of maxed out, but maybe a little undersized or that sort of thing. There's not room to go, go too much further up from there. Yeah. I agree. I mean, there's one player on this in particular. We're going to talk about all of the potential mineable sources of upside when we get to him. But I, I, I kind of want to go through that with you and, and, and talk through. But you've got the sure. exact same point I would make there. So uh, who are we at? We are at my Your number other 10. number 10 guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's Andre Carter of Army. Uh, a lot of people are going to have him lower. Uh, massive man, six six and a half, two fifty six. That's actually, he could probably hold more weight than that on that kind of a frame. 33 and three eighths is a little short for his, his size. He'll be 23 in June. Um, this is an oddball draft class. There's a more variation in age in this draft class than I've pretty much ever seen before. A lot of 50 year players mm-hmm. uh, because they had a COVID year in the middle. So you need to be very careful with age in this group, but 23 in June actually is in the, that's in the kind of the sweet spot in the middle of that bell curve. There's a fair number of guys who are going to be 24 soon. There's even a couple of guys that are, that are going to be 25 or are 25 already, uh, yeah. including one guy I had to drop because of that. Um, Andre Carter, 19 sna- uh, sacks uh, in his career, two hints, five passes defensive, a f- forced fumble, and a f- uh, sorry, one fumble recovery. Here's the big one, five forced fumbles. Uh, really love the guys who find the football with their club, and he's one of the better ones in this group. Now, here's the thing, 11 bench reps. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't have super long arms, so the excuse really isn't there for a bad bench number. And that was a case, you know, obviously there were workout issues as well with Orlando Brown when he came out of school, just not being focused enough on what was important for the combine or being um, the kind of workout animal he probably should have been going to that. But he had nine reps. <laughs> at, uh, yeah. and, and and it didn't, obviously, it didn't end up mattering in his case. I, the fact that teams will be thrown off by that might be something the Ravens could benefit from because the Ravens are going to look at his tape and you see a big guy dictates first contract extremely well. That makes his swim move more effective. That's the thing I really noticed on tape Mm -hmm. is that, is that he gets that defender off balance and he can blow by him with power on that side, but you can also swim by him um, if when he does that. So that was very good. Uh, run defense uh, is going to depend on getting stronger. He, he needs to be able to hold up that offensive tackle, uh, use both hands on him when he needs to, uh, and, and um, run defense, being able to keep a hand free or get a hand free on the appropriate side at the appropriate time is is really the important thing there. I don't see him as being right there on that despite his massive size. Um, he's, he's a good patient diagnosis guy, so when you watch him, um, I wouldn't say he's Terrell Suggs in terms of diagnosing the screen, uh, a screen, but there was a play against the Air Force in particular. It's one of the most amazing plays I've seen from a player this year in terms of an ability to get back, get a hand on the football at a place you do not see a 4-3 end impacting the game there. So, um, you know, I, I, I hope he's a guy that, that other teams focus on the strength concerns and the Ravens could then be a candidate to get him maybe in the third round. Yeah, so I had a cutter as part of my honorable mention uh, group here. Um, long, quick, and really he has the frame to really bulk up, I think. Mm-hmm. So that 11 bench reps is the concern, just the play strength. Um, coming from a service academy, that's a player you could probably project could benefit from NFL weight room more than somebody that's coming out of Alabama or something like that. 
Yeah, I, I've seen that in in reports is that he complained that his training schedule was getting in the way or, or maybe his fitness was getting in the way of gaining a lot of weight and playing with it, right. which is, I mean, it, it's a little bit surprising because Army's got to have offensive linemen. They have to put on weight that they can't really use in, in training, I would think. Yeah, I think it was just specifically, I mean, they run, you know, so many miles every day as part of the, the regiment. And some guys are, I guess, a little bit more uh, endomorph or endomorph, endomorphic, and uh, it works better for them. <laughs> you know, I want to take a little bit of a rabbit hole sidebar here, but my career as an actuary uh, spent pricing, I mean, pricing a lot of products, but pricing products for the military was a, was a mm-hmm. big part of it. And the, the advisors who sold this product are, were also ex-military. And I went to a convention of theirs once and they brought up one guy on the screen. I won't mention his name here, who, who they brought him up to the stage and they said, yeah, this is a guy I want to read one of his old fitness reports. And it's in the game of life, the <laughs> were just a little too far apart. <laughs> and the crowd roared and this, that's this guy that thinks so. Poor guy got really beat on. It's like, how would you like to be one of the, one of the guys that's picked on? on and I, yeah, I right. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All that's right. Funny. So, so I'm sorry. You're, you're number nine guy. Number nine. Okay. Number nine, I'm going with Derek Hall out of Auburn. 6'3", 254, 9.4 relative athletic score, um, 34 and a half inch arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, also a former team captain, which we know the Ravens really like. Three-year starter for a SEC West program. That's impressive for sure. Um, probably the best burst in the class as far as first step. Well, maybe along with the really the blue chip guys we'll get to at the top. Um, definitely a little stiff, just an angular, linear type of athlete, but uh, good in pursuit, good toughness for sure. Inconsistent versus the run, not the perfect frame dimensions, I think, for the Ravens scheme, more of a, a Carl Lawson type of leverage rusher potentially, but a player that I do think could certainly contribute. All right. I, I, first of all, I absolutely love Derek Hall, and there's a few reasons, but I love him even more for the Ravens scheme. So I had him all the way up at number five in mine. Okay. So you see who replaced Miles Murphy in, in my thing. Um, uh, uh, the speed is all there. The um, size is right for a guy who can play Sam linebacker. So mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I really liked him. He just turned 22 in March. So he's one of the younger guys in this class uh, in terms of a pass rusher. So I would project more improvement on him. Otherwise, the explosiveness on tape, I think, is very obvious in terms of, of getting to the corner. Now, obviously, you gotta you got to have some bend to go with that. But the explosiveness is there, and it's really corroborated by outstanding combine numbers. So it's, it doesn't appear to be illusory or just a matter of, seeing some plays oh he had it there but then the rest of the time he didn't have it and he got he got knocked on his rear end it's he's he's got that that first step that really seems to be very good um he's been effective in terms of his um overall productivity not having the full toolkit in the sec so he's not particularly polished as a pass rusher and again i think that's that's an area where there's potential growth there and i would think it's very reasonable to expect it given his age so another chuck smith possible protosh- uh, prototype here. And the other thing that really showed up on tape for me for Hall was a great motor. Um, get, getting after plays and finishing them, run, pass, didn't matter. Um, had, had a lot of ability to um, uh, follow guys on the run. Uh, good patience. Good, you know, I think he has good um, backdoor containment skills to yes. start with. 
But uh, you know, when you when you're facing option quarterbacks in particular, this is the kind of guy I want to be able to chase down that run either direction. Um, you know, you, you still have to make a choice sometimes, but but sometimes you have the option on on whether you're holding off for a moment to to try and make the play either way. And I think he he fits the need for uh, for that kind of thing. I I would love if the Ravens could get him a, on a little bit of an undervalued basis, but uh, I think it, there is a probably a pretty fair chance he's gone in the first two rounds. He'd be a great deal for the Ravens in round three. Agreed. And this year might be more than others. I'm kind of opening up the draft board. Uh, probably expecting a trade back from 22, but mm-hmm. so potentially you could have a top five pick at some point. So might as well look at everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So let's see. Yeah. I, you had Derek Hall. I have my number nine guy is Zach Harrison of Ohio state. Another guy, a lot of people uh, have a little bit higher. I think not everybody has him a lot higher, but he's a, he's an, an immense man. Uh, freakishly long arms at 36 and a quarter, six, five, two seventy four, twenty two in August. So one of the younger guys in in this group again. Um, the here's the matchup that you really like to see: a guy with that kind of arm length still did 25 bench reps. Mm-hmm. That's probably the single most impressive number in this class. It's better than the 30 bench rep guy um, later on, and and it's he, it's it's probably the single most impressive relationship versus, versus arm length and strength. Because uh, it's a big disadvantage to to, to bench with the longer arms. Um, he is not always consistent about the way he uses his length advantage. And again, I think that's an area where he can grow. Um, but but there's something also that I liked here too is that sometimes he tries to get long with two arms, get long with one arms, and then sometimes the other guy's playing against legs so much, just throws his shoulder into him. And I'm like, okay, that that's nice as a change of pace to have because you can really get a, 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 in theory, a big advantage from that. Uh, you are giving up on probably what's best about you. Only has 11 career sacks at Ohio State, but the nice things that go with that are forced four, four forced fumbles, nine passes defense, and 24 tackles for loss. So you know the guy's playing the run as well. Um, penetration comes through that first step contact advantage. It does not come through bending. He's not a get to the edge quickly be real explosive, bend at a 45-degree angle guy. Uh, he's also got to learn some some better things about pad level and leverage that'll, that'll be more important at this next level. And again, I think Chuck Smith, I, 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 he, if if he has a big year, if, we, if we're talking about Chuck Smith all season and how much he's helped players, that's going to be a very good thing for the Baltimore Ravens in terms of of, uh, of what could go. So oh, certainly. Rush edge for Harrison, could kick inside on passing downs was the other thing I like about him. Yeah, so he's my number eight. So we're we're right one off on that. I thought he was terrific as a as an edge setter, and then thirty six and a quarter, um, longer than a number one pick from last year, who was supposed to be the the super free Trayvon uh, Walker. Um, so yeah, and actually, at least the uh, I, I, the statistical I saw was six strip sacks in his career. Could be off on that. I thought you said mm-hmm. four. But I think he has a really, really high upside. Um, former five-star, young player, as you mentioned. Um, I think he'd be a terrific player for, for the Ravens to add. Uh, not quite in the nines on the relative athletic score, 8.73. Um, I think the agility numbers were maybe not great. But I'd be – I mean, I think he could be a, sec- a quality second-round pick if you're if you are in that range somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, that uh, that certainly could end. And they, the Ravens don't have a second round pick currently, but I'm with you. You you mentioned it just last time that they could be dropping. I, I have them for for one and three the last two years. But if you got your numbers from say PFF, they often will credit a different person with a forced fumble or a tackle or a sack. Okay. So you, you the sack numbers can differ that. But I'm looking at at uh, the College Football Reference to, to gotcha. get my numbers just to have one consistent source. Uh, in, in particular, for drops and stuff like that, multiple sources can can vary widely. So I, I'm, I try to be careful about having one source for that. Pass breakups as well. Uh, he was pretty yeah. good timing timing those up. Yeah, yeah, very good. That's that's something at that size. You'd expect him certainly to have some. So I'm sorry, you you you. He was your number he was eight, eight guy. Yeah. So we want my number eight guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I will struggle because I want to just call him for Florida Atlantic University, but Felix. And your DK Uzama of Kansas State is my next guy on the list. And uh, uh, some people dropped him off probably because they don't want to pronounce his name. 6'3", 255, <laughs> definitely has great bend and a great dip move in general. Lowers his shoulder, gets right under the arm of that tackle uh, very effectively. High motor. Um, it pairs well with his bull rush. If you have both, that's a big advantage. And he's one of the guys in this class, doesn't have to play through contact, doesn't have to bend because of his size or length. This is a guy who can really do both, and and, and I like that. The games I watched, um, he was effective even when double-teamed at maintaining position, which is really unusual for, for two reasons. One is he's not particularly large uh, for, for this draft class. At 6'3", 255, he's a small man now in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> we, we, you know, 6'7", 215 is Ted Hendricks. Uh, when he played, it's just incredible that someone you know that tall and thin could have had the strength of a Ted Hendricks and you know go into a Hall of Fame career. But uh, right. but uh, that was uh, that was the case. Uh, he's going to be an outside guy as a pro only. He will not be a guy who kicks inside at that kind of that kind of frame. Even though he's got that nice first step that you you associate with a Pernell McPhee, say um, a little small for edge setting at this point. But uh, he's a situational pass rusher at the start. And again, he's a guy I think there is the possibility that he could work towards Sam responsibilities. So uh, you know, a common thing, we haven't talked about this yet, is that it, it's very difficult. There aren't any real obvious Sam linebacker prospects coming out of this entire class, not not sure. guys who, who jump off the page. And the reason is the teams in college need their best pass rushers to rush the passer. So right. they, they, you know, and, and those are the guys, the only guys you're considered. So your pool kind of changes and you you have to you project a little bit. And it's actually pretty rare that you get players like Tyus Bowser who did a little bit of it in college. Uh, and, and so obviously, you know, project to, to being Sam guys, but uh, um, I, I know there are guys who see him going in round two. Uh, he'd be, if the Ravens could get him in round three, I'd be real excited about it. So I'm a little bit lower on uh, FAU, we'll call him, mm-hmm. as you said. Uh, I have him in the honorable mentions category. I don't think he necessarily has one defining trait that you can kind of lean your hat on. And when I compare him to some of these other guys in this, you know, ten, six to 10 range, I think some of these other guys have more upside and as well as um, just plug and play utility in one specific role from day one where uh Felix is more of a jack of all trades type. So that's that's my view. But there's quite a few guys. I mean there's I don't think there's very much separating after the top four or five all the way down to maybe 15 or 18 on the list. You're on mute. 
Oh, I'm not sure how they did that. Okay, but we should definitely have some differences and not be uh, uh, doing that. But it's, it's no need to apologize ever for, for not having the same list. So we're at your number seven guy, I believe. Okay, number seven, Isaiah Folkski out of Notre Dame, 6'5", 264, 9.6 relative athletic score. Very good in all metrics. Uh, 34-inch arm length. He's very efficient. Um, his pass rush win rate and pressures – and all those stats they count uh, ranked pretty close to the top. Bendy and athletic. Um, I thought it was, you know, playmaker with some forced fumbles, blocked a couple punts. I think he does need to add some strength as a run defender. Um, but I think he probably could kick inside. Potentially, he's got a nice inside dip move. And maybe the one thing that tiered him above some of the others, he showed maybe more coverage ability than some of these other folks in this range so i think he's a intriguing intriguing athletic prospect yeah de he's definitely he's on my honorable mention list and maureen and i watch as much notre dame as anybody because that's where she went and and we uh you know we enjoy watching those games together um fosky what had held him back for me was that he plays through contact with power a little bit too much um, does he have a little bit of bend and dip? Well, everybody has a little bit of bend and dip, but I'd say this is this is kind of a a, a, a weakness for him. Uh, he does dictate first contract extremely well, first contact, and uh, gets the opponent off balance. That's a that's a big thing. It's a big thing in, as a as a pass rusher. It's a big thing in run defense to get that um, tackle off balance a little bit. Uh, has exceptionally powerful arms that really show up regularly. Uh, so good arm length, the 34 inches, but but drags people down. You know, he's one of the guys from this class, and I think there's one other who, if he gets his hand on on a runner, a ball carrier, a quarterback, whatever it is, there's there's just an immense overreaction. It seems like in how they are moved around, whether they're turned, flipped down, whatever you might see. Um, we saw some of that out of Owe in his rookie year, in particular. The play that, that will jump off in everybody's memory is the forced fumble against mm -hmm. Kansas City. You know, he sure. reached what seemed like two extra feet to get the football. <laughs> I'm slightly exaggerating, obviously, but it was, it was one of those great reach plays. Uh, so you like to see that uh, so far pure pass rusher, but I, I thought the same thing that he possibly could be a Sam as a pro. And, you know, just the, the bottom of the list got crowded. I was already cheating with two guys at number, number 10. And uh, he is a guy that I think uh, I, I would be very happy if the Ravens ended up getting him. Yep, absolutely. I think that's your number seven. Okay, so my number seven guy is Will McDonald of Iowa State. I'm sure he's probably on your list somewhere. He's on a lot of people's list, and uh, I probably like him a little bit less than other people. Arm length is almost 35 inches. 6'3", 236 is a little small, but he certainly has exceptional arm length. The, the problem with Will McDonald, 24 in June. So he's a year older than most of the class and two years older than some of the class. Uh, so that's that's obviously he's one of the on the on the older end. Um, I, I can't project the same amount of improvement from him. Has tremendous explosiveness. It's on tape, and again, it's corroborated with these vert and broad measures, which are which are really nice to have when you when you when you can see it both places. He did not did not do the forty or bench uh, at the combine. He reportedly ran a four sixty two at his pro day. I look at 
pro day 40 times with a jaundiced eye, as the IRS absolutely. would say. <laughs> so, Abs- absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> 38 yard dash. <laughs> uh, it, it, it could be that, as simple as that, that you, you, you trim down times. Cause I don't, I've never even thought of that. You know, I, you hear three people stopwatch each trimming off 0.08 seconds off these things, but yeah, sure. <laughs> um, uh, teams will have legitimate question about his ability to play the run. Um, at his size. So I think he's a situational pass rush in the NFL. Certainly not a guy you kick inside. Doesn't meet the Ravens need exactly in those terms, but he's a real barbell of skills here because there's a whole hell of a lot of real pass rushing talent in this guy. Um, it's just, there's a whole, and, and some raw ability to go with that in terms of his, his length and, and the explosiveness. But then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that really makes me not want the guy in, in particular, the, the, the age, but other things about, about him just being not enough sand in the pants, not enough weight on his frame to, to be able to, to stand up against the run. So I, I think they're probably out based on when he will go, which will probably be in the second round. But if they project him as a Sam and they trade down, it could make sense. This second round, by the way, is a black hole for the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of pass rushers will be there. You mentioned early, hey, it's possible the Ravens trade down. And I think that, that there's a lot of talent to be had in that second round, particularly at this edge position. I think it's true at corner as well. So, uh, you know, if, if they're not going to get one of the... The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details really top aircraft carrier corners, then going to the second round might really work for them in terms of a, a, a trade down. Yeah, certainly. You know, trading down usually makes sense. And with only five picks, it makes a lot of sense this year. I actually did not have McDonald in my top 10. Um, the age concerns at 23 years old, coupled with the size concerns, sub 240 pounds is, is not great. Coupled with um, he's essentially going to be transitioning from – a down lineman that he was playing even at that size to now. So just the combination of the three demerits there uh, comparing to the other players, he's, he's certainly probably just league wide better than, you know, 10th best, but for the Ravens and what they specifically need, it's a lesser version of Ojabo in some ways. So I just Mm -hmm. don't see how that benefits them too much. All right. Great point. I, I, I like that. So you didn't you didn't really see the Sam possibility with him, I think, as part of it. So 
Not as much, and maybe that could be developed. But at that size, it would make sense. You just didn't do very much of all of that, you know, at, at, at uh, Iowa State. All right. Well, fair enough. We're we're to your number six guy, right? Yes. Keon White out of Georgia Tech, 6'5", 285. So he's got some sand in the pants. Um, 24-year-old redshirt senior. So that's the big knock on him. Conversely, 9.92 relative athletic score. Very, very high uh, athletic testing. Uh, 34-inch verse. Excellent run defender. Um, He played anywhere from three technique, five technique, all the way out to wide nine. He's a pocket pusher. He's just a downhill, essentially a downhill defender. I think he's a high floor player. He should be at that age. Um, Developmental upside with technique, even at that age, I think he could improve his hand fighting. And uh, just to kind of visualize maybe a player he could become, uh, Cameron Jordan out of the Saints is sort of much in that type of mold. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Keon White was on my list of players. I have this list put out a certain way and I'll tell, I'll explain what I mean by this. These are players I don't want unless they fall a lot. So he's, he's on that list for me with two other guys. The problem is primarily age. He's not just 24, he's 24 and a half right now. He Mm -hmm. turned 24 in January. So, you know, by the time the season starts, he's going to be closer to 25 than he is 24. Um, that said, the guy has real grown men's strength. And he's the other guy, 30 bench reps with 34-inch arms. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Like, unbelievable combination of bench and arm length there, which it, either him or, or the other guy we mentioned earlier is are, are the two most impressive uh, strength numbers in this class, or, or bench numbers anyway. Um, and and I, I saw the same thing that you did, that he was, he was lining up as a three and sometimes a two-I. Um, and he beat a double from the inside in the, against North Carolina that was really, you know, jumped off the, the tape to me, um, in terms of, uh, of being a, and I, I couldn't tell you on the play exactly whether he lined up at three or two wide, but it doesn't matter. It was an inside play. I'm looking for him to be on the outside and he's on the inside. I had to rerun the play a couple of times to see, to see where he was. I go, Oh, and, and then he beat a double team. It looked like parting the Red Sea to get by uh, two guys there. So, uh, you know, if you want to think early McPhee and the number of double teams he beat, uh, uh, there's a little bit out there, a little bit like that. I, I want the Ravens to get value if they take Keon White because he's, I think he's a one contract player. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, the problem with the older one contract players are, is that when they go to free agency, you probably don't get the same kind of return on a comp pick, even if they bloom for you. Mm-hmm. So you're probably not talking about a guy who gets a huge second contract. Now that said, I mean, hey, most of the value is in how he plays for the Ravens on that first contract. So if they got him late in the third round, I'm not going to be disappointed about it, but I'd prefer if they got him in round four and other teams share the generalized concern about him with regard to his age. Yeah, I think he has a pretty wide draft range, really. It's it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Not a whole lot of consensus among this group, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right, terrific. So my number six guy. This is a guy I really love for specific needs for the Ravens, and that's B.J. Agilari of LSU. Um, good size and shape, not exceptional. It's 6'2", 248, another 34 and a quarter inch arm guy. So we had a lot of really long edges in this class, which is remarkable. Uh, he just turned 21 on April 5th, which makes him one of the youngest players in the entire draft at any position. Uh, didn't run the 40 or bench um, that I saw. Uh, this is one of the really weird situations because I just turned 21 and you watch him play. 
He's got an incredible toolkit already in play. The guy knows how to rush the passer. He has a spin move that he uses both outside and inside that shows up on tape. Uh, he'll even use a spin move to get off a defender against the run, which I found really unusual. Mm-hmm. But his older brother, of course, is Aziz Ojolari, and it's probably true that he spent some time working on uh, you know, biomechanics with his brother in terms of really understanding some pass rush moves. I, I would be shocked if that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if that had not already occurred. Um, he really is one of the few players in this draft who makes such a conscious effort to counter off that first move. And not only does he do it, um, it's, it's the pace at which he does it is extremely good. So you're, if, you, if you're talk about this with the Dafayo way, cause he's, he's the prime example of a guy who's too good an athlete for anybody he ever faces at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he can, he can force them into a bad move with his first move but if he if it's if it's almost like you know you, you want to see me draw again here with the gun when when you know you, you, you somebody doesn't even really draw then then it's it's like it, it doesn't matter if you can't pace it out to force that left tackle to make the first reaction and work off that and go back so i thought that was exceptionally good about this ojalari is a pad level guy really needs to be at his kind of size because uh, he's not a big, thick guy, of course. Uh, good, solid positional containment guy in the run game. Uh, really nice combination of uh, potential first contract play and a guy who might be a franchise cornerstone here. This is this is a guy who is young enough that that you might sign him after three years or sign him after four years if, if he ends up going in the first round, which I think is probably a little bit too high for him. Uh, but definitely a nice, a, a nice, a guy who could be a Sam linebacker potentially uh, for this team. Very high floor prospect. And when I when I look at all of the potentials here, he can get stronger. He's already very polished as a pass rusher. He's already had a lot of success in the SEC, which is a, you know obviously is playing at the highest level. He's not coming out of a small school. Um, balanced run and pass defense. He might have the pool, uh, tools to play Sam, and he's twenty one. I'll put all that together. I think you have a very high floor prospect and he's the one guy in this draft I'd say that probably has less to learn from Chuck Smith as a pass rusher than anybody else. He's the guy. Right. So, uh, you know, I'd love him as a late second round selection uh, if, if the Ravens can somehow trade back and get into that position, but that, that might be where it starts to get difficult. Yeah. He's, I mean, I think projections have him as sort of a top 50 type of prospect. We of course remember his brother coming out, didn't get off to a great start. Uh, at least in my mind, and I think his brother had a little bit higher pedigree. They're built very similarly with long arms, but just a little bit shorter and smaller. Um, I do agree with you. I think he's probably the most refined pass rusher in this class. I did not have him quite that high on my list, but after after listening to you make the case, I think I'm going to have to move him up a little bit. All right, fair enough. So he was down in your honorable mention group, or you can also listen entirely. No, no, he was the, my first honorable mention. If I had a tied for tenth, he would have been my tied for tenth. Okay, very good. There should be some variation. That's always great. So we're to your number five guy, right? Number five, the combine darling, Nolan Smith out of Georgia, smaller guy, 6'2", 238, 9.25 RAS, thirty two and about two thirds inch arms. I think he's a Sam, a pure Sam at that size. He is undersized, but he's fast. He's a five, was a five-star player. He's tough. He's a high character, um, all that sort of stuff. Uh, sub 440 or sub 440 and a 41 and a half inch vertical. Ordinarily, 
again, this is not a perfect fit. Let's see. Tyus Bowser's contract is runs for, I believe, two more years. Um, let me just give me one moment. Uh, so, yes, it, it expires in 2024. And just sort of a top line point about this position, why it may be better to invest. If you have a log jam and you need to trade, I mean, we've seen it with Orlando Brown and Marquise Brown, um, the premium positions, you had premium uh, return. We saw with Chuck Clark, you didn't get very much back. So yeah. I don't think there's a problem with really loading up your depth chart with four highly drafted edge rushers and let the cream rise to the top. To the top. Well, that's fair enough. And uh, the 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 one guy, unfortunately, I don't think they would get a lot for at this point in his career is Bowser, even though he's he's you know arguably the best player among the four of them right now, or whoever whoever they draft, and 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 you know Bowser certainly if you include Hayes in that group. But uh, I I like Dolan Smith as well, and I had him. Let's see, I have him at number three or number four. I had him at number four. And here's my thing about Nolan Smith is that. Um, I, I, I agree with all you said about it. I think he also plays the run uh, well, real good patience there. A lot of good pursuit against the run, but you expect that from a 439 guy. Had a really good bull rush that uh, just shows up all the way. Uh, his game is really more about compressing the pocket. Now, this is one of the things I've seen said about Georgia. I don't watch enough Georgia play to know this is really how they run their defense, but that they use very controlled rush lanes. And so they, they try and 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 have a they have a lot of plays naturally where they don't really green light at least one side of their pass rush. So that may have been something that certainly held down his stats. He's not a big stat popping um, player from in those terms. I think he has okay bend, um, not not really special. Uh, Lot to add to the toolkit as a pass rusher. Again, that's when you have a guy who's who's got all of the athleticism and whatnot, and you add hopefully some some refinement of that toolkit from Chuck Smith. There's hopefully a a um, a, a player there. I think he is. I think you've you've correctly identified that he's a multi-year project here, and and I I think he'll get on the field right away. I think the question is, in his case, when will he be first good? And it might be year two. It might even be year three. You know, the player like him, that it, that it takes that long for the for the light to go on, for him to get more snaps, and the real opportunity that that, that uh, comes from that live fire, and the real real growth that comes from that live fire, I should say. And the other thing about it is that Nolan Smith, the Ravens really only get one shot at him, and that's at pick number twenty two, um, as it stands right now. I think that's pretty close to where he's going to go. They have needs at cornerback and wide receiver. Somebody might take Nolan Smith earlier. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. He might still be available there and go in the late 20s. That wouldn't shock me either. It would kind of shock me if he lasts till um, anywhere significantly in the second round, meaning like about the 40th or 42nd pick. I'd be very surprised if he drops that far. So it, the Ravens only have one pick and have a lot of competing needs for it uh, at cornerback, at wide receiver in particular. So I, I think they probably don't end up with him. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's always a little bit concerning, at least – slightly or something to ponder when you had prospects coming from absolutely loaded up teams where you, you know, how much of their production is because every other player surrounding them is a five-star also. And for as great as that Georgia defense was two years ago, some say it's the greatest defense in college football history. Not a whole lot of those guys popped their first year really as rookies, but they have four guys in the first round and two more guys in, on day two. So, uh, yeah, 
and he's also I just looked up Bowser coming out was two forty seven. So he's about ten pounds lighter than Titus Bowser mm-hmm. at that same point. Okay. So he was all he was my number four guy, I think, also, or was he this year number five guy? He was my five, but we already did my four was Murphy. Okay, and my five was Derek Hall. So your four was Murphy, my four was Nolan Smith. So what are your three? My three. One of my favorite guys, uh, who I don't know, maybe visions of grandeur, but uh, Lucas Van Ness, 6'5, 272, 9.3 RAS, 34 inch arms. Really an ascending player, redshirt sophomore, didn't start at Iowa. They have a uh, upperclassman seniority uh, policy. Um, he's got legitimate two-gap strength as a, uh, let's see, 21-year-old. So uh, that's a plus. Really nice bull rush. Can kick inside, three technique, four technique, four eye shade. Plays with good leverage, I thought. Uh, hands need some development. And uh, also blocked several kicks. So that was another plus. Yeah. So definitely a guy who I think would be an easy kick-in guy. So you don't have any question about that. And there, there aren't too many of those in this class, but there are a few. You know, some of the bigger guys uh, here make sense for it. Um, really outstanding pad level. Uh, and uh, could work as a 4-3 end would be where I think he may end up. So some team with a need for that. By the way, that's always a risk. If, if you're banking on getting a particular 4-3 end guy, I think there's probably less in total of those guys than there are guys who could play outside linebacker under some specific conditions. It used to so, be the other way. Yeah. About 10 years ago, it was the other way around. Yeah. But now look at these guys. I mean, they, yeah. they, they, we, we, you know, we, have, we have some length guys here in this class, so maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe the pendulum is swinging again, but, uh, but definitely it, it, I, I had heard it said that when you have a lot of teams playing 4-3, then you have a lot of demand for that specific body type. And so that's probably where it goes is that the, that the outside linebacker position now is, uh, 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 you know, may, maybe it is swinging again. Anyway, my thought on that. Um, real outstanding pad level by Van Ness. He's also my number three guy, by the way. Uh, good bend, good ability to bull rush. Again, that combination is only a couple guys in this class who really have it. You got a guy, a lot of guys who work through with power only. This is a guy who who has both. Um, I would not say he's got a really polished toolkit uh, as well. So still a guy who who definitely has something to learn at the NFL level. Um, but definitely has some great fundamentals there. And a lot of that fundamentals, I think, comes from, from comes from playing on the outside. When you think of, inside, rather, when you think about what pass rushers do, it's a freelancing position. You know, you have a lot of ability, spread that tackle out, get to the quarterback as best you can. In in when you play inside and you have run defense responsibilities, you have this complicated set of keys you have to read. Uh, and I'm not saying you don't have to hold the edge as an edge setter, you, you have to do that, but it's it's just much more complex to deny space on the inside as a five, as a three, and then be able to set up your the other players around you. So it's not about your plays. It's about the other guy as well. So um, I think Van Ness's ability to do that is one of the things that's going to make him a, a, a more technically – it has made him a more technically sound player at, at this point. Um, not an ideal fit for the Ravens um, based on, on who he is because I think he ends up at a 4-3 end. But I don't think they have to worry about it because there's no way in hell he's lost in at number 22. Yeah, I don't think so, but you never know if the if he's on the board of twenty two and he's your top guy and those you know lockdown corners are gone and it, unless you really like a wide receiver, I would I would run that card in and we know they have the Iowa connection with uh, Ference as well, mm-hmm. so 
a player that I was a little bit skeptical, and once I dug in more, I liked him even more. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I I, I think it's hard not to like him, but uh, but it's where you fit him. So he was my number three guy. Also, your number two guy now. I think you're up for two because uh, I did three first. No, no, you you always go first at every level. I got it. Okay, <laughs> Tyree Wilson, six six two seventy one. Um, he's a game wrecker. He's really a game wrecker. I think. Uh, really good player on stunts. Almost thirty six inch arms. He's long. He's strong. He's physical. Heavy hands. Really heavy hands. Um, strong motor and some impressive lateral quickness. I think he's a guy that sh- that you can. I mean, not that the Ravens are going to be in drafting range, but he's a guy you build your defensive line around. Uh, Jadavian Clowney comparables. Yeah, I, you know, I, I Jadavian Clowney is a is a very reasonable one. I thought Miles Garrett as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, some of the moves he he puts on, he gets double teamed a lot. Mm-hmm. If that guard gets there, even a, a a fraction late, so you got a typical setup with a guard bubble on that left side, and he's rushing off the off the against the naked tackle on that left side. So it's a tackles tackles. Uh, responsibility only to start with, and that's really an oh crap moment for that left tackle uh, you know, facing <laughs> him. But the guard has to process very quickly from center out. And this is what I talked about and something I liked coming out of college about Ben Cleveland's game at Georgia was the ability to do that quickly. But that guard, he gets there a moment late and it's 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 just a man among our monster really among men <laughs> you know right. the spreading those the, the, the two men there and it's something i really associate with miles garrett just i mean mm-hmm. unreal strength when you look at what he did with that arm like he still is at 23 bench reps another really impressive total uh from this draft classes as far as that goes uh uses the bull rush a lot and he is just too much for offensive tackles uh in terms of of getting the body uh there doesn't really go to the speed rush too often and that's one of the criticisms about him is that is that you see regularly stated is that you know he's got good bend he's got the ability to get to the edge he's certainly explosive enough but he just doesn't do it that much because he just likes contact. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, there is something about compressing the pocket. I really like, and, and I, I don't really know what the Texas Tech defense was like in terms of responsibilities and 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 how his compression of the pocket was maybe setting up other players, and that was something they wanted to do. But um, I, I just I, you, you can't help but love the guy once you see him on tape. He's absolutely outstanding. The other thing I'd add is that his run highlights are really spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy who definitely bubbles has good anticipation of where the run's going he doesn't always make the tackle himself but does have really good pursuit to the sideline really bubbles a play fairly frequently in in what i watched and you know what i mean by that is he's forcing the running back to take a looping um or the quarterback sometimes on option plays to take a looping move around him that will cost him yardage and allow the pursuit to get there i just i i was very impressed by him pretty much from every characteristic. He's one of the guys in this draft does not have any significant weakness. Yes, completely. I think he's top 10 lock. He should be a top 10 lock. I've, yeah. I saw a few mocks where he made it to 22 and people said, I don't know. <laughs> if he makes it to 22, you pick him. <laughs> yeah, they, That's a card they'll run up for sure. Yes. If, he, if he lasted 22. So we had, we had the same number two, and I assume we have the same number one. Tell us what you thought of it. I believe so. Mr. Will Anderson, the uh, 6'3", 253, outside backer out of Alabama. Just the, the, the total package blue chipper. Bendy, explosive, some prolific tackle for loss production. Yep. I think he had 40 tackles for losses two years ago in one season. 
Um, he's a three-year starter, decorated. I mean, freshman All-American, second team, you know, second year All-SET, just just lighting it up as you would expect for a, a player with top five talent. Uh, almost 34-inch arm, so weighed in and measured out a little bigger than I think people thought. He's got the speed rush. What I thought reminded me maybe of Von Miller when he disengages from blocks against the run and he can just kind of use that explosiveness um, to to blow up plays in the backfield. Um, so that's a player, hypothetically, a, a deal is struck with Indianapolis. If he's at four, I know you need a quarterback, but players <laughs> like that don't come around too often. Boy, that would, that would really be something if they, if they made a deal with Indianapolis and then they took a pass rusher. Oh boy. We're going to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> we're well, gonna hear you know, that. you got it. You got a cornerstone players. I mean, that's the key, right? There you go. So I, I've only got one beef on Will Henderson about his entire career. And it's just, you've mentioned so much of it in terms of his uh, tackles for loss, 58 and a half tackles for loss in a three-year career, 34 and a half sacks in a three-year career. Here's the one number that just does not fit on this. He's got one forced fumble in all that time. Yeah. How do you sack the quarterback 34 and a half times and not force the football out more than once? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so that is not the club that you would expect it, but he he really looks to make the tackle, not to dislodge that football. Um, and it's funny because he's got very heavy hands. I mean, you can see it in, in terms of of how he gets by guys. I mean, he's Pernell McPhee in terms of of uh, of uh, playing a video game with those those guys opposite him. Uh, gets the corner exceptionally well. Got that great t- uh, first step. Got terrific bend. I mean, that combination, heavy hands and bend. No, nobody should have both of those things. It's right. not fair. I mean, right. and, and that's why he's uh, obviously where he is. He'll be gone uh, long before the Ravens get to pick in the top 10. So they won't get him. It's unfortunate. It's an interesting idea you have, though. Number four, you get know, number four, take Will Anderson. You know, I mean, if you want an elite defense, it's going to prop up your offense. You need elite pass defenders. So, uh, you know, just – just uh, if – and this is a topic for another podcast, but if Lamar is, is not with the Ravens next year, I I am a strong opponent of, of going to a two-year plan at that point. So I wouldn't take any stud players like a Will Anderson off your board. Okay. So so and then and then maybe take a quarterback you like in the mid-round, go with the Tyler Huntley plan, or maybe bring in a yeah. different veteran. Yeah. I, I would try to go with somebody that's going to give you a decent floor where you're not wasting the year, mm. but uh, yeah, I, I would try to preserve some some ad, some assets for for the two year plan. Yeah, I, I think you know we're we're seeing that they met with AR fifteen for a second time now after after uh, uh, you know with the Lamar situation being what it is. I don't think that's a contract negotiation ploy. I honestly believe they 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 need to consider backups at this point, which is sure. it, it probably means not good things for the Lamar negotiation, honestly. But even even if they Lamar plays here next year, that's kind of the perfect situation for Richardson to come here and have a year, and then they know they have a, a more difficult situation next year with regard to uh, tagging Lamar. It'll it would again I I would bet be the non exclusive tag a second time in a row, and and uh, they'll try and get two number ones for him again. But if unless Lamar would come back with a big season, I think that's probably unlikely to happen again. So you have Richardson able to play in year three. If he doesn't mm-hmm. play in year two, that could be perfect for him in terms of, uh, you know, growing a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of it has to depend then on where they think he'll drop 
because 22, not that unreasonable if you're looking at, you know, real talent, but quarterbacks always get a bump. Uh, Seattle's drafting, I think, at number 19. So they they would have a need and a likelihood of 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 taking him. Similar situation, um, you know, with them in terms of how many years they have until he's ready kind of thing. That's the kind of quarterback that uh, that they would probably like to have. So I, I think a lot of the Ravens draft strategy in terms of how they trade, in terms of, you know, what they're willing to do really flows around that one player and thinking, where does he end up on the board? Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's a tough spot. It's a really tough spot. But just as a general drafting roster construction theory, I am completely in favor of looking a year ahead and drafting a player to stockpile to get the pipeline going at the premium positions. So quarterback, pass rushers. At devalued positions, like a running back, you have three running backs on the roster. Yeah. You don't need to draft to spend a third round on a running back this year and have him sit on the bench for 25% of his rookie contract. Drafting, there's always going to be running backs. There's going to be 20 running backs next year, too. You know, and and eight guys that they'll like a stylistic fits that other teams discard. And yeah. you know, uh, they'll they'll be they'll be guys they can find there. Look, I'm I'm completely with you, and and this is maybe a time to have this discussion since we've done this in record time for a draft conversation of this loaded a position. Um the the uh not drafting premium positions in the first round is something the Ravens did last year. And I think we'd have to say fairly that their draft of Hamilton at number 14 looks like it was a great pick. It was a, sure. it was a pure value pick. And, and I, you know, not only did they, did they end up with a player of truly exceptional value at his position, they ended up getting a cornerback, which is a, which is like, you know, a, a key position. And I, you know, from what the Ravens have done so far, even with the loss of Chuck Clark, it still looks to me like they might be depending on um, Harrison to uh, Hamilton. Sorry, Hamilton, Hamilton play to, slot. to the play slot this year. Yeah, well, if Gino's going to be on the back end, or if they're going to bring in uh, Amos, so uh, yeah, I think we should really be redefine this conversation by the record. It should be called premium positions. It should be called premium skill sets. Okay. So if you're if you have if you're a rangy free safety. That's a premium skill set, whether you play safety or not. If you're a penetrating nose tackle, that's a premium skill set. You know, if you're a matchup tight end, but you're not a but a blocky tight end, obviously isn't because it's just a supply and demand. Um, but there was a very interesting study about surplus value and how taking premium positions gives you the maximizing surplus value. I want to say it might have been Benjamin Albright, someone, but uh, it really dived into the opportunity cost of passing on a premium position where you can hypothetically have a player in his third year earning a few million dollars a year. And if he was a free agent on the open market, his play would be worth $20 million a year. You don't have that at devalued positions. You can have the best running back in the league that you get in the first round, but he's still only saving you so much. Right. I, I, I'm with you that it would be a terrible idea to draft a running back early in this draft. Draft one late, pick up the UDFAs you want, and scour the other rosters in the league. I think you find the, the supplementary things. The problem is that that the Ravens have a, a very old running back room right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a year four or later. I mean, we're going to, this is J.K. Dobbins last year as a Raven, unless something unusual happens with a long term signing. And I think you and I, in terms of franchise building philosophy, are both not in favor of long term contracts for running backs. I think he'll get one. You know, he's going to make six, seven million dollars a year if he has another good year. He certainly would make, I think, at least that. 
um, somewhere else. So uh, that would mean that this is JK's last year. I hope he has a really big year. Hope he has great value when he leaves the team. Um, but I don't, th- I don't see the Ravens re-signing him uh, given the, the the need for money elsewhere on the team. Sure, I'd agree with that. Never, never a good idea. I mean, you can literally look at the last fifteen, maybe thirty running back contracts that were paying them within the top 10 salary at the position. How many of those guys actually played out that contract? One, I mean, it's just, um, we saw it this year. Every Derrick Henry's on the trade block. Dalvin Cook's on the trade block. Joe Mixon's got released. Eckler wants a new deal. Every single one. I mean, it's just, it's tough for them, but it's uh, just not philosophically smart. I think it's usually the second round, third round. That's a sweet spot. You get one, you, 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 uh, Put them on the highway for four years, and then you change the tires. Then you put them on the other highway out of town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in agreement. So I want to ask about one last player because you can't get through this without talk, with talking premium skill sets. But then the draft at number 25 of Tyler Linderbaum. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens had a, a, a different way they could have pulled the same thing that would have accomplished the same positional needs. I think it would probably given them a, a, you know, a good player at both positions in the long run. Probably not a, quite as good as how Tyler played his first year. I, you know, I am critical of Tyler Linderbaum as a pass rusher. I still think he, he's a long way from being where he needs to be there um, uh, as a as a uh, sorry pass blocker. Did I say that? Mm-hmm. I, think I might have said pass rusher. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> but but anyway, um, he's he was one hundred and thirty five percent of what the Ravens could have expected as a run blocker mm-hmm. in terms of converting most of that to the NFL level, being very fast in space, good in level two, all that. The question is. If he still had it again to do today, Kyrie Elam did not have the greatest first year uh, with Buffalo, but the Ravens had him available. And the guy they could have had in the later rounds that would have filled the center position is Zach Tom, who ends up playing left tackle for Green Bay, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for a fair amount. Some left guard uh, does not yet played center, but that's where a lot of people project him to end up. W- would he be a guy? W- would that have been the double you'd rather have? And would you still ch- exchange the two players at this point? I think I probably would just because I know you've made this point many times. Pass protection is more valuable than run blocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, of course, Lenderbaum gives you that, that versatility to now you can run more zone, which maybe all sets that a little bit. I think really you want to aim for a 75% premium position ratio or premium skill set, if you want to call that, within probably the first three rounds. Once you get to day three, you can get a special team or get whatever you want. Really, make a take a swing on a high floor or a high ceiling. Take a swing on, but that gives you some leeway to say, okay, this Hamilton once in a once every five years, once every ten years, guy fell. He's a safety, but we're not rigid like maybe Philadelphia or some other teams. About Miami, I think, are so rigid where they will only pay premium, they will only draft premium. You got to give yourself, but you should still. You got to be above it, and I think the cost has been pretty close to fifty percent last time I mapped it out. If you can kick that up, maybe 15 percent, I think it probably help them be able to put the pieces of the team together in a more efficient way long term. All right. Well, it's, it's. I love talking franchise building topics with you, Voss. Even though we don't one hundred percent agree on some things, and in, in particular the the. Uh, riding the cycles of roller coaster parody, we don't, we don't, we definitely don't agree on that one. But really sure. appreciate the discussion because you, you, you have good reasons for your arguments. And and uh, as a, as always, pleasure to talk prospects with you. Tell folks where they can find your work online. Sure. So I uh, my Twitter handle is at Vasilis Beatdown V A S I L A S Beatdown. I am the co managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown. I publish the Daily Ravens News 
five times a week, as well as some uh, independent work, and just launched a new podcast titled The Raven's Way uh, with a friend of mine, Yuri Marshall. Uh, it's just every Thursday night around 9 o'clock, we do a live stream. Just literally had the first two episodes, so we're just getting it up to speed, but uh, happy to talk draft. We did a pretty thorough analysis of the wide receiver draft prospects on that last episode, and we'd love to have you join us. I'll look forward to seeing that sometime. If you need a guest, I'm, I, uh, I, I offer, but, uh, you know, not, uh, not begging certainly, but absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short this off season, I'm still looking for content, looking for people to do that one play episodes, uh, but also other stuff. If you, if you have some draft philosophy stuff, you want to talk, you see how much I'm into this with Voss here, but if you've got your own philosophy on, how things should be meted out in the draft, or maybe that the Ravens use too steep a scale when they try and trade down and they should be more willing to trade down or more willing to trade up, whatever it might be. Happy to talk about that kind of thing. And we have lots of opportunities. Draft context takes priority right now. There are a lot of uh, that one play episodes that are in the bag. We're going to do more, but they're going to be stretched out into June and probably even early July in terms of when they air. Uh, Just we'll warn you on that in advance, but uh, I'll get back to you right away. DMs are always open on Twitter. Boss, thanks again for coming on. My pleasure, Ken. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.